0: Well, today is the day we celebrate Palm Sunday. This is the first day of the last week of Jesus' life. Just for a, a thumbnail sketch, this is kind of a, a rundown of what happens during Holy Week. Sunday, obviously, is the triumphal entry. That's Palm Sunday. And it also is the time where Jesus cries over Jerusalem. Monday is when he curses the fig tree. It, it's when he cleanses the temple, tosses it over the tables, and money changers. Tuesday, he comes back and sees the withered fig tree that he cursed. He confronts the Jewish leaders and he goes to the Mount of Olives. Now on Wednesday, there's nothing on record of ever of him doing anything on Wednesday in God's word. Thursday, he's obviously preparing for the Passover and has the Passover. Friday is the trial, the crucifixion, the death and burial of Jesus. Saturday, Jesus is in the tomb. And then Sunday, hallelujah, Jesus is raised from the dead and he's alive again. And this is one of the events that are recorded in all the Gospels. They all four have them. So we're going to be pulling texts from each one so we know exactly what uh, we have, a complete account of Palm Sunday. Now, up to this point, Jesus was at his, one of his favorite, his closest friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. He had a private dinner with them. And it was the raising of Lazarus that actually started the Jewish leader's plan to kill him. Now, we're going to look at just today, we're going to look at day one, which is obviously Sunday. Now Matthew 21.1 says, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. Now Jesus knew how this week was going to go. He knew exactly what was going to happen, and he knew in advance what the ramifications were that was going to be. Now the Bible tells us that that Word was out that if anyone actually saw Jesus, their duty was to report him so they can, they can arrest him. Now, John eleven fifty seven 57 says this. Meanwhile, the leading priests and Pharisees had publicly announced that anyone seeing Jesus must report him immediately so they can arrest him. So he knew what was going to happen, and he didn't want the man who owned the, the donkey to be in trouble, so he had everything arranged beforehand. Everything was set up before this week actually began. Now, a lot of people think in today's society that the donkey is a lowly animal. But in Bible times, the donkey or the mule was used as a symbol of royalty. 1 Kings 144 says, The king had sent with him Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Beniah son of Jehoiada, the Kerithites and Pelethites, and they have put him on, what, the king's mule. Judges 5.10 says, You who ride on fine donkeys and sit on on a fancy saddle blankets, listen. Now donkeys, so donkeys were a a royalty, that's what kings used. Also donkeys in the Bible symbolized peace. Horses as we think of them today, in the Bible times they signified war. Look at 12 horsemen of the apocalypse, the colors, the horses of color in Revelation. So donkeys were a symbol of peace. Jesus rode in Jerusalem symbolizing peace not on a horse now word had gotten out that jesus was coming into town john twelve twelve says the next day the great crowd that had come for the feast heard that jesus was on his way to jerusalem now as we saw in the video this was the only time in his ministry that he allowed anyone to give him public attention every time that someone wanted to bring his name up or uh, tell people what was he was doing he said no don't do it now He did not want any public attention, but now he did. John 12, 13 says, They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. So why now? Why is he doing this now when all the time up to this point, he did not want any public attention? Now he rides in the town almost seeking public attention well the first reason is because he was fulfilling the prophecy that was written about him in the old testament matthew 21 verse 4 says this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets say to the daughter of zion see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey on a colt the foal of a donkey now notice this was supposed to be a donkey that had never been ridden before never broken never ridden now i'm not a farm guy I don't know much about animals but I do know this you're not going to be riding an animal that has not ever been broken or ridden before Uh, I had a couple friends of mine back in Pittsburgh that one of them raised horses for the specific purpose of racing them and then another raised horses because he had a farm and he did a lot of ministry to cowboys things he he would do barrel racing with his horses and both of those guys will tell you you're not going to ride on a horse that has not been trained or broken before but so why did Jesus get on one who had not? Well, because it was to symbolize that he had not only power over nature, but he had power over the animals as well. You remember when Jesus calmed the storm? Matthew eight twenty-seven says the men were amazed and asked, "What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him." So we have Jesus now commanding the animals, having dominion over the animals. So as Jesus proceeds through the town, who was in the town welcoming him? Who was there to honor him during this time? Matthew 21.10 says, When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So you have, as it says, the whole city, tons of people swarming around. But in this group of people, there were three distinct groups of people in their relationship to Christ. The first group was the Passover visitors from outside of Judea. John twelve twelve says, The next day the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A huge crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet him. They shouted, Praise God, bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the King of Israel. So that's your first group. Your second group were the local people who had witnessed Jesus doing miracles. They had witnessed the raising of Lazarus. John 12, 17. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. So you had two groups so far. The last group obviously is the religious leaders who had sought to kill him. John twelve nineteen. So the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. So why did Jesus walk into town or ride into town Wanting attention because he was now having people acknowledge who he was. If he's riding in on a donkey, he was acknowledging to the world that he, in fact, was a king. That's what kings did they would ride on a donkey. And when you had people in a processional throwing coats in front of him and waving branches at him, that is a king's reward, that is a king's acknowledgement when he rides in the town. So he was acknowledging to the crowd that, yes, after three and a half years of ministry, this is i am i am the king of the jews now when you have him announcing that you have three different responses to that announcement as we had the three different groups you have three different announcements the galilean jews were the ones who supported him they followed him they were the ones who laid the branches down they were the one who waved them and put their coats on the street they were the ones that believed in him trusted him and supported him then you had the judean and jerusalem Jews. These are the ones who came because of the miracles. They wanted to see something. They were the ones that saw Lazarus being raised. But these were the ones who would later shout, Crucify him. They believed that as he was walking in as a king, he was going to be the one that overthrew the Roman government, that he was going to be the one who set the Jews free. And when that didn't happen, they rejected him. They said, He's not the one. We're going to go after the one who is. And so they were the ones who started crucifying because they felt betrayed by what they thought Jesus should do. John 12, 18 says, many people because they had heard that he had given this miraculous sign went out to meet him. When they, when they saw him not rise up as a ruler, they no longer thought he was a king, only a deceiver. And the last group we know their response, the Jewish leaders, what they saw was they saw that their power base, the people that followed them, now were, was eroding. If Jesus was in fact the king, their position of power would wane. People would follow Jesus and not follow the, Roman, or the Jewish leaders. Luke 19 says in verse 39, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Jesus was acknowledging the fact that yes, people were going to follow him. The Jewish leaders did not like that. And they were the ones who sought to kill him because they were, he was taking power away from them. And as all this was happening, at this moment, people still didn't really understand what was happening or that it was supposed to happen this way. John twelve sixteen says this, At first his disciples did not understand all of this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that they had done these things to him. So that tells us the account of the resurrection, the account of the Passover was written actually years after this happened, at least after Jesus rose from the dead. They didn't understand what was going on at that moment, but when he rose and they saw him in the physical form after resurrection day, they understood what had happened at this moment. As time passed, and he saw they the people saw the unfolding of the resurrection. They finally understood that everything that Jesus did up to this point was laid out, was told to them in the Old Testament. Now I'm going to focus on this next event for a little bit. I'm going to close with this event. We all know about the parade going into town, the, the palm branches and the, and the coats and the mule and all that. But I want to focus on one other thing today. John's gospel does not record this, but two of the other gospels do. In Mark chapter 11, it says this. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. He looked around at everything. But since it was already late, he went to Bethany with the twelve. Try to get the mental picture of what's going on here. He had already been accoladed by those around him. But now those crowds had kind of dispersed, or so they went around him. And he walked up to the temple. And he's looking at the temple. Just looking at it. You ever go up to look at something and just stare at it for a moment? The example I thought of, maybe your kids are sleeping or they're playing out in the backyard very nice by themselves and you just go up and you just you watch them. You stand there and look at them. And what do you do when you're looking at something like that? You begin to think about that situation. If your kids are sleeping and they're young or they're playing outside and they're not not old enough yet, you wonder what their life is going to be like. What are they going to do when they get older? Who are they going to marry? Where are they going to live? You begin to think about all these things as you're watching them play or sleep. And I think sometimes Jesus did the same thing. He looked at the temple and he wondered what's going to happen. But the point is Jesus already knew what was going to happen. Luke 19.41 says this. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, He wept over it. Why do you think he was crying? The Bible only tells us two times when Jesus cried, this time and then when Lazarus died. Why do you think he was crying? Well, the Bible tells us why in Luke 19, verse 42. This is Jesus speaking. He says, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you, and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Jesus knew what was coming to the city. That was the city he grew up in, that was the city he loved. That's the city he tried to reach. And he knew what was gonna happen because they were rejecting him at this moment. And he was crying because he knew what the outcome was going to be. And everywhere Jesus looked, he had reason to cry. Think about this. You can look back on a situation. You can look at a situation currently. And you can look at a future situation. And every time Jesus did one of those three, it gave him reason to cry. The first one, if you look back, he saw all the wasted chances that Israel had to repent. They had so many blessings waiting for them up to this point, and they missed every one of them. You ever look back on your life and wish you could go back and do something again? You're sad at what happened in the past, you wish you could go back and change it. But you can't, there's no do overs. And Jesus realized as he looked back on Israel's past that they missed all the blessings and for them there's no do-over now if jesus looked at what was happening presently he was crying because he looked at the hardness of the hearts of the people who were there he knew who would be crying crucify him he knew what was going to happen in a matter of days and he realized how hard their hearts were he performed all these miracles raised lazarus from the dead and even the bible says when he raised lazarus People didn't believe because their hearts were hurt. What was happening in Jerusalem, there was a lot of spiritual activity, but no growth, no change. I guess I could say that's religious activity, not spiritual activity. There's a lot of churches and a lot of religious activity going on today around us. Maybe even in our own lives or in our our community. But is it having any eternal effect is it causing change there's a lot of religious activity in Jerusalem but nobody's hearts were changed there's a lot of religious activity happening in America today but is anyone's heart being changed by it do we know do we believe that no matter how many times God has done great things people around us don't believe them they try to write it off as an excuse or as an accident or just time And what happens is that if you're a believer, it makes you cry because you know what they're missing. You know what you'll miss in the future if you don't believe. And lastly, if Jesus looks ahead, he knew the judgment that was coming upon the city. He knew what was going to happen. He detailed it in Luke of what was going to happen to the city and to the people there. Think about us for a moment. How many people are we praying for? Our friends, our family, who don't know Christ yet we know what's gonna happen to those who don't believe and in my prayer life and I'm sure yours you cry over the people that don't know Jesus because you know what's waiting for them And I guess we ask ourselves Do we really cry over those are we happy where we are and don't think about anybody else Or do we really spend time crying and and praying over the people that don't know Jesus because you know what's coming? I mentioned this before in a sermon a week or so ago that all the events we see happening today in society are just small examples of what's going to happen during the tribulation. And right now it's inconvenient. But during that time it's going to be horrible. And the people we know, the people we love, our family and our friends, who don't know Jesus, are going to be going through that. And that should make each one of us cry. The very people who are the ones who would later shall crucify him, and yet he cared about them to the very end. Even when he's on the cross, he said, Lord, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. But the good news is the story doesn't end with Jesus' suffering and crucifixion. That's Easter, that's Resurrection Day next Sunday. The reason that Jesus took all the punishment and the suffering is so that we don't have to. We were in the same boat as the people who shouted crucify him. We, if we were there, we would say crucify him. And we were all destined for the same judgment that Jesus says was going to happen to Jerusalem if we were there. And we're all destined for the same hell now because jesus said in that last verse and i like the way it says it luke 19 says why because you did not recognize the time of god's coming to you and i really like the way the new living translation writes it it says because you've rejected the opportunity god offered you you may be watching this and you may have been in church all your life and every time you're in church more than likely you heard something of the gospel and you were probably offered a chance to come to know Christ personally to have your sins forgiven and maybe you kept ignoring it or not listening to it you're doing exactly where verse 44 says you've rejected the opportunity that God offered you but if you're watching this that opportunity has not passed you by yet by the grace of God you can accept that right now. You don't have to wait. You don't have to doubt and look back on decisions you wish you had made earlier. I wish I'd have gotten saved when I was 10, not 30. But I can't go back. You wanna do what you know you need to do today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation, not tomorrow, not next week, not next month, because none of us are guaranteed of that. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that you receive the opportunity that God's offering you. Palm Sunday and Easter is all about accepting God's offer. And what's the offer? John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus wept over the city in the temple because he knew what was going to happen and he's weeping right now over the people that don't know him but as long as you're listening to this and you're still taking in breath you have the opportunity to receive what Jesus has been offering for 2,000 years the offer of a right relationship with God the offer to have your sins forgiven the offer to not have judgment facing you when this life is over In our church in the past month, we have had three people go to be with the Lord. Now we praise God that they knew Jesus. But none of us know when that's gonna be for us. Our job, we need to know that we are right with God before that happens. Especially if this virus is as bad as they say it is. Are you ready? Are you ready to meet Jesus? If you've not believed in the gospel, you've not accepted Christ into your life to forgive you of your sins, and Jesus is still crying over you. Why? Because he does not want you to suffer what is coming. He offers each of us eternal life. He offers each of us heaven. He offers us freedom from God's wrath, God's judgment on this earth. The only thing we have to do is believe it. Jesus came and presented it to us as a gift. Now I've used the example before, but I'm gonna finish with this. If I tell you this is a gift for you, and I wrap it up, and I put it here, and say that gift is for you. You can look at that gift and say, yep, I believe that's a gift. And I believe that's, that's wrapped up, that's for me, that's a gift, but if you leave it here, and you never come and take it, that gift does you no good. That gift doesn't help you in the least. The only way that gift benefits you is if you actually come and take it. The Bible says that God offers us free salvation as a gift. Our job is to take it, to receive what God has already wrapped up and given to us in Jesus. And the question is have you done that today? I'm gonna pray right now that God speaks to your life and allows you to open up the gift that he's already given you in the person in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Jesus, that we can celebrate your triumphal entry into Jerusalem as the King. And Father, as we know, this week is the last week of your life. And you will ultimately be whipped, beaten, and crucified. And suffer all the punishment that each one of us rightly deserved. But on Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, God raised you from the dead. And that raising from the dead is simply God acknowledging the fact that everything you said in your word is true. And that means God is offering salvation to each one listening today. It's true. And the Bible says all we have to do is receive it so father I pray for those that are listening I pray that your Holy Spirit speaks to them allows them to draw close to you and reach out to you and pray for forgiveness of sins to receive Jesus in their life Lord I commit each of these people watching today you do the work where they can't be with us this morning they don't have to be with us this morning because the Bible says you're right where they are and you can meet them in their living room in their bedroom wherever they are today you are there waiting for them to respond to the offer that you're making them this morning so Father I commit them to you you do the work in their life through your Holy Spirit And we trust you that you will raise people up. Lives will be transformed by the power of God as they once and for all believe that Jesus is who he said he was and that his suffering was for me and for you. So Lord, I commit them to you. And in the name of Jesus, we do that. Amen. 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 Listen, if you've prayed that prayer, if you want to know more about Jesus please reach out to me call the church office go to the website text me if you know who I am just contact the church it's in the phone book 292-7729 give me a call I want I want to offer you what we've talked about this morning. it's not by accident you're watching this video God put you here to hear what his word says so I encourage you to reach out to me call me text me email me go to the, go to the church website everything's there you need God bless you. Have a great week. And we will be back here with our weekly devotion and our sermon for Sunday morning. God bless. Have a great week.